This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, fantastic player. Really like him. Uh... Really like training with him. It was uh, it was great to get out there on the pitch with him today. Um, you can see his qualities on the ball. Once to get on it, he's not afraid. One v one, always looking for that pass forward, which is obviously uh, great for a striker. Um, so yeah, really really positive signs. Um, he's obviously been on great form for his club as well. So he's just got to keep his head down, keep working hard as he has done, uh, and I'm sure he will get plenty of opportunities in an England shirt. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, your host and editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me on the podcast that dispenses with the sycophantic fanboy notions and gives it to you straight, all wrapped up in a good time. Joining me, Mr. Chris Bud. Welcome back. Hello. Cheery old soul, Chris Bud. And joining us to uh, be the life of the party, it's Bill Shaw. Hello. Sorry, Hello. Phil Shaw. Yeah, of course, an end joke for some people there, yep. Yeah, if you're a My Own Mansa patron, uh, you, you would get where I, what I'm referring to there. It was on the uh, one of the recent uh, extra podcasts, My Own Mandalorian said. Anyway, let's uh, get into this show. Uh, no Villa games to talk about, so um, it's more of a uh, catch-up to primers for... Uh, the return of Aston Villa after we've been following the exploits of uh, Jack Grealish. The the man that uh, the commentator in the Iceland game uh, said uh, trying to stop Jack Grealish is like trying to catch a fish with a spoon. Did you hear that? No, I, I didn't hear that. But I mean, if that's the way they were trying to catch him with a spoon, what were they doing? Using a spoon like a baseball bat? Because that was the way <laughs> some of them were tackling him. <laughs> Anyway, we'll discuss uh, Jack Grealish's uh, rise uh, to England into uh, national duty, where he started all three games. We'll also look at the other villains uh, around the world. There's a few, actually. We're going to be knackered for that Brighton game, but hey-ho. We'll catch up on the latest Villa news, what's happening uh, in the world of football per se in uh, three points. And to uh, finish off the show, after we discuss Villa in terms of the Brighton game as well as looking a bit more into Grealish. Uh, we'll end the show with a under or over rated with Mr. Phil King. Remembered for potentially just one moment of his career. Am, am one, I right? One kick of a ball. Mm-hmm. Let's get into the uh, villain news. First up, we'll talk about Mr. Grealish uh, later on. Before I get into this news, one thing I did forget about the fan consultation group meeting with uh, Christian Perslow a couple of weeks ago was in terms of uh, our summer transfer uh, targets, he said we almost got everyone we wanted. So in terms of almost, who do you think we missed out on? I think. Do you think it was a striker? It could have been. Do you yeah. think it was Wilson, maybe? Po- yeah, possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Because that was the most public in terms of the ones that were, there was actually a deal on the table, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. And Wilson was kind of open about the fact that there was a deal on the table as well. So, yeah. I mean, if you uh, looked at our window and we did get Wilson in as well, I think you'd be looking at a very good window because we wouldn't be here sweating a bit because we haven't got striker cover. So, uh, that could be the almost man. Uh, right, let's move on. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we'll talk about Grealish uh, later on, but uh, Mr. Trezeguet seemed to have a decent uh, international break as Egypt, uh, they beat Tongo twice, didn't they? 
Tongo 1-0 and 3-1 in the reverse fixture, when, the one in, in which he scored. Ghosting in on the back post again. Yeah, trademark. Uh, Traore seems to be fit as he played 90 minutes against Malawi in their 0-0 draw uh, for Bikina Faso. The Camber also played a full 90 minutes. This is where kind of international duty does kind of work out for us because it gives our men on the bench uh, a chance to get up to match fitness. It's just you, you're kind of sweating a bit when you see Grealish starting against Iceland and you're thinking, oh, if there's any game he's going to get injured in, it's probably this dead rubber game. Or when you see McGinn probably playing more minutes for Scotland than he has done for Villa this season. Yeah. Uh, also, Douglas Louise had a kind of strange time... Uh, Brazilian managers, uh, Titi's still trying to work out where Luiz fits in, I think. And if he, I think he's kind of looking for balance in his midfield. I think he was missing uh, uh, over the international break, uh, Neymar and Coutinho and a couple of other big hitters. But I think they won all their games. Uh, I think they beat Venezuela 1-0. Was that when Luiz was benched at half time? Yeah, he got hooked at half time. And one of the reports said he was the poorest link in midfield. His passes were hopelessly miscued. And he failed to track some runs, but in, by the same token, he, he had a goal in that game ruled out because Richardson fouled the keeper. So you know, it's, it's a mixed bag. Well, in the next game, uh, he was being heralded as as a kind of answer, the potential man to bring balance to the Brazilian midfield when they beat Uruguay. Yeah, when well, if you think back to the the classic Brazilian teams, there's always been that one player in midfield that you wonder how he gets in amongst all the rest of them. I mean, the Dunga, the Dunga, the Falcao, <laughs> and these these players. If you're going further back, so that that's his role. If he can make out his own, yeah. Because one of the criticisms about uh, Luis uh, and you know, is like looking at some of the coverage uh, how Brazil have been looking at him was. Uh, He's got no game going forward, but uh, Villa fans would beg to differ with that, considering a couple of goals he's scored from uh, kind of wonder strikes from you know twenty five yards or so out. And you know Falco was kind of a deep midfielder for you know Brazil's classic eighties team, but he also had a strike on him as well. So uh, I wouldn't uh, dismiss Luiz as having no. Uh, forward game in terms of midfield because he does he does in noticeably in the last few games get forward for Villa as well. I think he'll just grow into his role, wouldn't he? The more he plays, the more he'll, you know, grow into his position. You know, he's only twenty two, so uh these Brazilians need this need to step off a bit. But uh he did he did get a lot more positive uh feedback in terms of uh the, the game against Uruguay anyway. Martinez that didn't start, did he, for Argentina? No, he's yet to make his debut, I think. In other news, uh, Villa Ladies lost the first ever second City derby in the Super League of women's football when they got beat 1-0 at Villa Park by the Blues. It's an awful game. I, I watched some of it. Huge moment for Blues, though. It's the first time they've beaten Villa in any form, isn't it, in years? Yeah, Villa under-21s took another beating in the a- a- EFL Cup, a 3-1 to Carlisle. Again, just demonstrating... Uh, or how big the step up. Yeah, people are talking about uh, the EFL has just brought in the uh, the five subs rule to allow five subs to be used in the championship and leagues one and two. This is something that uh, Dean Smith is you know adamant against, and you know I'm, I'm totally with Dean Smith. I mean, a they voted for it at the start of the season. If they brought it in at the start of the season, it's like well, fair enough. At least it's consistent through the whole season. To change the rules. Uh, once the season gets up and going, it, you know, isn't really on. And also Villa's bench is not that great. So uh, it would give other teams a bigger advantage over the long haul to have five subs, you know, your Manchester United's, Liverpool's, Manchester City's, etc. Because they've got proper strength in depth. They've had two votes on it already, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, this is this is the thing. And uh, you'd have thought, I mean, because the Premier League have been meeting over the international break, you know, one of the results of that was the uh, pay-for-view uh, decision. So uh, you'd have thought that would have come up then in sync with the uh, EFL rules. But uh, the fact they've had two, you know, two votes on it already would mean you can't just keep voting, voting, voting until you get in. Uh, and the only other thing that's really been happening is you just get these crappy transfer links that have sparked up on the back of Grealish having a few good games for England where suddenly uh, Grealish to United in January is back on or Grealish to Madrid or it's, you know, it's all absolute nonsense. Just aimed at getting uh, ad revenue, you know, 100%. It's not even in, in the equation for Grealish to go anywhere in January. So do not click that ball. Shit. 
Right, three points. Uh, as just mentioned, point number one, pay-per-view was scrapped up to January where it reverts back to the project restart model of screening the existing games across uh, the if you have a package to uh, Sky Sports or BT, you can get some of the games there or they'll be spread on uh, Amazon and uh, bit the BBC as well as they were. Are you happy with that one, gents? I think so for now. Yeah, for now. It's it's goodwill to all men for Christmas, I think. is That's part of it. Having realised that uh, they got stung big time with bad press and also it buys them a bit of time to come up with a model that actually uh, for the second half of the season where they can probably make some money and create an idea or, or an approach that's actually palatable you know to everybody across uh, across the game yeah there was a, there was another meeting actually the uh, of note the uh, the sports minister actually met uh, let's say well has he terms it the football leaders to talk about uh, governance uh, financial setup rescue packages uh, the return of fans diversity in football etc and you know he put out a tweet saying there was progress there was somebody from the uh, football supporters association there with the, the sports minister oliver dowden so we'll uh, see what happens uh, there but uh, they keep trumpeting the idea of a and the government are very much behind this of a fan-led review of football governance which the football sports association have uh, well have given they, they provided the government with a document that was kind of a blueprint of on, on like the the fit and proper test, like uh, the proper you know what what it should be, not this kind of uh, that thing that's written on the back of the fad packet where any clown can uh, own a club, as we found out to our own cost, well almost to our own cost. But uh, anyway. Things are happening uh, in terms of uh, restructuring football. We'll keep you posted on what happens there. Point number two: Arsenal have become the first Premier League club or first English football team to uh, sign up to the UN. It's like an environmental UN sports for climate action framework. And yeah, they're the first club to have this large scale battery energy storage unit. They've planted uh, 29,000 trees at the club's training center since 1999. They've got water recycling. Uh, They became the first club to switch to 100% green electricity. They save using single plastic cups, etc., etc. Funny thing is, though, they're uh, getting you know good PR on this, but you only have to go back last year, and they were putting out on every seat for the Europa League game against Valencia 60,000 plastic bags, you know, to be held up like a, a TIFO thing. And, you know, there's a reason why supermarkets have stopped using them. So uh, it was a bit of a blatant environmental faux pas. So uh, I don't know if this is one of those examples where the club at top level sign up to these things, but it doesn't kind of feed all the way down. So you've got the marketing department doing this 60,000 plastic bag things and they're not actually on message. But uh, Villa uh, are kind of a bit slow on the whole uh, environmental thing. Uh, we, I actually suggested, I think it was Christopher, one of the uh, My Man Said patrons, asked them about uh, having somebody dedicated to uh, overlook their f- environmental footprint, and this is something they're increasingly uh, looking at, and no doubt the uh, the press from uh, this Arsenal move will uh, give them a, a push in that direction as well. Well, it's a move that I'm sure most clubs are going to have to follow. You know, motorsports gone that way, and you know the whole world is becoming you know has to be more efficient. So yeah, well, like you know, music like Billie Eilish, uh, uh, her talk, which was subsequently cancelled because of COVID, was going to be uh, sustainable tour because you know these these world arena tours are like massive uh like it's like a whole kind of ecosystem isn't it and uh, there's plenty of scope there considering you got like you know twenty thousand coming every night at least or 15 to 20 there are you know if you're cutting out single-use plastics etc you are making a a contribution no i was just waiting on the the hidden photos of mesodazole on a hamster wheel just pouring the whole pouring the floodlights (laughs) yeah i think we're useful yeah, we're getting one built for Henry already. Him and uh, him and Gunasaurus. Yeah. I, I love that everything Urzel does. We relate Lansbury doing the same, like Urzel in Gunasaurus, Lansbury in Hercules, as if they're on the same kind of level of player. 
They're nearly in the same wages. <laughs> right. Point number three, actors Ryan Reynolds and Rob McHelleny take over Wrexham. This is something that's been muted uh, for a couple of months now. I think it's cost them around two million uh, investment. I've actually got a mutual friends with Ryan at Reynolds. Actually, somebody's directed him a couple of times and I was asking him, you know, was it, what, what's the story behind this? And uh, he said, oh, he's mentioned it a few times, but uh, I don't know anything about football. He's Australian, so uh, you have to forgive him. But he, he said that Ryan Reynolds knows what he's doing when he's investing, so uh, he's smart in terms of being an entrepreneur. Looking into this, uh, somebody mentioned that there's a there's a documentary behind this, apparently, but the, the manager of the club has been open-minded about it. So I don't know if this is like an all or nothing, but for a lower league, and because... Apparently, Netflix are going to be interested in this. And by all accounts, this is uh, Rory Smith, um, who is now a uh, chief soccer correspondent for the New York Times. He said on uh, BBC Radio that uh, the working theory of why this is happening is is because they want to make this documentary. Uh, By all accounts, Netflix pays somewhere in the region of 300 to 800,000 pounds an hour of content. So if you're selling an eight-episode series, uh, that would make Wrexham very profitable and, uh, you know, would transform them as a club. So if you're looking at, you know, the the Amazon project, the Spurs, Leeds, Manchester City, I suppose you could do the lower league because it is a completely different ecosystem, isn't it? Well, and it's it's a part of football that you don't really see too much of bar maybe the odd highlights or, you know, you don't get that much coverage of it down there. So it's a it's interesting that somebody wants to shed a light on it. Yeah, I mean... You know, Ryan Reynolds, uh, when he bought into Aviation Gin, he sold it within almost like a couple of years. It was like kind of in and out. He still has a passing interest, but it's not as... Because uh, he went in, did all, you know, did some funny ads or whatever. I don't know if they redesigned the bottle. The bottle was pretty cool when they, uh, they kind of relaunched. So that's something, when you have that... I mean, he's quite savvy marketing-wise. You know, he's got a sense of humor, obviously. And, you know, that always helps. So he's somebody who can go in give it a, a big splash of PR, you know, boost its credibility, give it a cool factor, and then sell straight away. So I don't know if this Wrexham thing is a uh, is solely about this documentary because, you know, they go into this, they have no knowledge of football, no interest uh, before they're going, and, you know, they've admitted that. So it does, there's, you know, nobody does it for the, you know, it suddenly turns up in Wales for the, you know, for the love of uh, random actions. So I mean, um, I'm sure the... Certainly, the fan base, and I'm sure they've got now their own supporters, trust, etc. I'm sure they'll be taking the view that this could be a short-term thing, and but as long as the club is left in a better state than when they arrived, yeah, you know, beggars can't be choosing. If if someone is coming in and they are willing to spend some money, potentially in the short term, but that short-term investment, especially in the current climate, could transform that club. Because Wrexham have been at the t- uh, top leagues for is it like twelve years now? Or yeah, for a long time. Like that? I remember under O'Neill, we went there in the in the League Cup. Early yeah, round. so the bottom line is if Ryan Reynolds and uh, Buddy injects two million in, they can improve the stadium, blah, 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 buy some players. The main thing is if they get promoted and this documentary happens and they've got some money, then suddenly you've got... Because uh, there was a film uh, on Swansea, actual you know cinema release. So, you know, that was really well made. And if you looked at that, there's, there's enough uh, there dramatically in terms of its narrative to make uh, this work in the lower leagues for sure. So... Uh, you know, it's something to keep your eyes on. Uh, I think at the the lower leagues, there there is still the the possibility there for a bit of like an, an entrepreneur to come in, and even if it is, like you said, just a short time, th- there's less chance for them to do real damage to the club, even if they're only in there for a short time and get, you know, put some money in there. I mean, if the, you know, if they do get bored and leave, I mean, it's going to be very hard for Wrexham to be in a worse position when they leave than they are at the minute. Yeah, I, I, but you know, I don't think it is. Well, we we certainly want to run a lower league football club. I think it is this documentary angle seems to be the thing, and you know, they'd have looked at a few clubs, and I think the fact that Wrexham are the third oldest, and that's something they've mentioned, is enough of a hook really for a documentary, isn't it? The third oldest team, you know, in the UK or the world, or, you know, whatever, falling on hard times, it's rags to riches. Uh, yeah, and it's the adventure of a let's see how long we can ride this out. Right, anyway, uh, moving on, I uh, just want to say thank you very much to the My Man Said patrons for supporting the show. Please do uh, sign up if you want to get extra podcast episodes. 
Sometimes we do some experimental and weird ones that stray away from the world of football as well as uh, extras on football, obviously. Also, it gets if you become a My Own Man Said patron, that is the way you get into Match Club. So you can join us on Saturday afternoon. The first time Match Club has been Saturday afternoon, I think, this season. Probably even... Uh, this year? Yeah, I think ever. So you can join us for the Brighton game. Just go to myomansaid.com and click on the patron link for more details there. Big thank you to Dan Reynolds, Simon Bennett and Daniel Kiamper for joining up as uh, regular Myomansaid patrons. Uh, also, you can get uh, 15% off, which is two months free if you sign up annually. So thank you very much to Hayes Paul, Matthew Clements and Michael Beck for recently uh, signing up as Myomansaid patrons uh, for the year as well. As I said, go to myomansaid.com com and click on the patron link and take it from there right main bits in terms of england Grealish started all three games mings did he start he started two out of three yeah, two of the three yeah but he got on uh got on against iceland so he got three caps as did Grealish. Uh, let's start with Mings. I thought he was probably the best of the defenders against Belgium in the in the main game. I mean, against uh, Iceland and Ireland. I mean, Ireland, that's the poorest Irish team I've seen for a long time. Yeah, they offered nothing going forward, didn't they? You no, know, I mean, they offered the threat of COVID. That was the only threat they had <laughs> yeah. with the with the player who played uh, and he was covid positive luckily that doesn't seem to well you won't know until about 14 days will you that hasn't kind of yeah uh, potentially yeah meanwhile you know every england player caught it then they played uh, belgium and every belgian player caught it and then they played denmark every danish player caught it and everyone's biosecure bubbles are fucked Every Icelandic player caught it, but the, you know, the, I mean, speaking of COVID, the cases in the Premier League seems to uh, there seems to be a few every week now, which uh, is a bit of a concern. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, if we're looking at uh, Belgium as probably the best litmus test, uh, he's uh, he was quite funny against Iceland when he came on. Uh, him and Grealish, uh, I mean, they had a little thing going there. They had a little partnership going on that left flank, and uh, Mings was almost playing like a, a, a left wing back at times. Some of the positions who was receiving the ball but um, Belgium he had the least touches of the three centre-backs but he had the best pass completion I mean would you attribute any of the goals to him the Belgium goals no it was the first one nicked him on the way through didn't it it was unlucky but that's unlucky for him and Pickford really he couldn't do anything about it and then he didn't really have a huge amount to do during the game and that that he did do he did reasonably solidly it was just a, a sort of workmanlike performance really obviously obviously they couldn't do anything about the free kick for the yeah. for the second goal it's it just one of those days kind of low key but got his job and got he's you know he's had on. a couple of chances he, he almost scored in uh oh against Iceland and I think against uh Ireland yeah from set pieces so I think in terms of Southgate's mind I think he knows he's got a I think he's got a player there whether he's uh starting him or not is uh another issue but he's definitely got somebody you can call upon yeah I think he'll go to the Euros in the summer certainly in the squad whether or not he plays I think a lot of that will come down to the formation and whether Southgate goes with a back three or a back four yeah and players forms uh, over the rest of the uh, the season yeah Grealish, massive uh, fanfare, especially for his performance against Belgium. It is a bit weird seeing all that, actually, because uh, he was good against Ireland, he was good against Belgium, but it was it was like nothing of what you know Villa fans have seen him, how they've seen him play against, in, well, this say this season, against Arsenal or Liverpool. I mean, against Arsenal, he didn't actually get that much of a fanfare uh, from the national press. I mean, outside the Villa bubble. And he was sensational against Arsenal, especially in the second half. Here, I you know, I thought it was like a steady 7 out of 10, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say? I think you saw flashes. And when you, when you see the little tricks and flicks and stuff like that, of course, those are the bits that take the the headlines and I yeah, think they make get clips on yeah uh, and and I, th- I think the because England was so crap he was head and shoulders England's best player in that game and I think it was because he was the only shining light in an otherwise poor performance for the most part yeah. he stood out I thought he was solid against Ireland I thought he did well against Iceland I think he's I think he staked his claim I think what you saw in the, the final game even though I thought Iceland were you know, were a very average side was that you start to see if you put the right pieces in the puzzle around him like if he's got someone like a Foden to play off and if England get the right combination in the middle for example playing Mount in the middle and not out wide like they did against Belgium you get the combinations right and Jack will be a real asset to, to England be it as a starter or off the bench or however you want to use him he, he will be a really 
useful asset at a tournament, as we've said all along. You know, he's a he's a weapon to be used. Yeah, yep. I I was um, I'm just happy that Southgate left him on for the second half against Belgium because in the first half Belgium could have scored as many goals as they wanted and it would have been over. And I just had this sneaking suspicion. Um, actually sent you a message, David, saying I I think Southgate's going to hook him at half time here. But no, he, he left him on, and then Belgium did take her foot off a bit, and it gave Grealish the, the freedom to to show a little bit of what we know he can do. But just with the the social media reaction, it was like a dam had built up for you know weeks, <laughs> weeks, and weeks, yeah. and weeks, and then that one flick that he took over the the Belgian defender, it was like the crack in the dam, and then it just flowed from <laughs> every single Villa commentator, every single football commentator of any sort. I mean, I've seen that flick now, and do you know what? They've actually showed that flick from the completely the wrong angle to do it justice. They needed the short side on because that's when you've seen it at full pace and how good it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The thing about Belgium was they, they, they won that game early doors. Once they got those two goals, that allowed them to sit back and... They could have played another 90 minutes and England wouldn't have scored. They, they were letting them come on them. And you're just thinking that England team there is not going to do anything. And you think you're looking at a game Grealish and you're thinking, what does he need more in this team? And I think the, the main thing England have got, I think this whole idea of playing two uh, deep-sitting midfielders, I don't think we've got the players to do that, to make a difference, like to keep Belgium at arm's length. They're not that good. You know, they don't. They can't dictate the midfield. The, be- the, most, the best assets uh, Southgate's got in his squad when it's, you know, all there is uh, like rapier-like pace and youth. And you might as well just have, you know, one sitting midfielder and uh, put as many of those, you know, your Grealishes, your Sanchos, your Sterlings, your Rashfords on as possible just to, you know, try to blitz teams because he's had success in friendlies, you know, against the likes of Spain or whatever, you know, doing just that. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches. England have not squad attacking ways. I mean, defensively, not great. Goalkeeper, awful. So you're at the best form of defence is attack. So Southgate, look, looking from the outside, I'd be saying, you know, you need to throw as many of those, find a formation that puts as many of those attacking players in it as possible. Because that, that's probably the best bet you've got. I mean, you know, Iceland, Ireland hardly got over that, hardly got over the halfway line. Belgium did enough early doors to win the game and then, you know, didn't really chase the game as much. Yeah, I think when you've got players, all of a sudden you you, you put Foden next to Jack and you've got, a really interesting combination there. It's two guys who can unpick a defence. You know, you put Mount in the middle of the park. I quite like Madison as well. You've got so many options. Like Madison can play as a deep line midfielder. He gives you more legs than Henderson. His distribution's great. His set pieces are great. You've got, you can potentially play Southgate system, but you don't need formal number six, you know, defensive midfielders. You can just play a deeper line midfielder. And as long as one sits and when one goes, it who would you matter. play though? I mean, like, there's Henderson's obviously got you know the experience and the you know he's he's got the uh, let's say the the winning experience and mentality of what he's done with Liverpool. I thought you know Rice was tidy against Belgium. He I think he had ninety eight. I think he had the most touches in the midfield, and he had a ninety eight point five pass completion. Which uh, I mean, he's obviously not doing anything audacious, but yeah, I'd go with something like Rice and Mount or something like that. 
in the slightly deeper role or even like I'd play Madison with Rice. You know, Madison can give you the legs in the, and he can and he can spray the ball around from deeper. And then if he yeah. needs to bomb on, you've you've always got Rice to sit. But you don't need two guys sitting there. I think Southgate trying to stifle teams won't win you anything. Yeah, I'd probably play Ward Prowse as well. We've seen what he did against yeah, us. Yeah, Ward Prowse is good he, on his day. Yeah, but he pulled out of the, he pulled out of the squad. So I mean, he's another option. You just wonder with him, and obviously you've got Harry Winks as well, who can do that role. And I think it's just an embarrassment of riches. But this is the problem for Southgate: is he doesn't know the combinations, and he he doesn't know what his best team is yet. Yeah, looking at Grealish's uh, involvement in the England team, it was uh, he's now ahead of schedule because I think things tended to fall into place for him with a lot of people pulling out, and um, this is not just this uh, international break, but the previous one injuries, people pulling out, and uh, the fact that he played three games. Uh, all you know, all three games and started them, and well, not ideal for Villa in terms of him being fresh. Has, has definitely got him higher up the pecking order quicker than you know perhaps we possibly expected. I mean, you know, to be honest, as long as he was in that Euro squad, that was the end game. But uh, I think now he's forced himself so far in that he's now probably sparked a little thought in Southgate's mind. Is like, actually, how do I get the best out of Grealish in this team? That might be a consideration now in terms of formation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't... I mean, I'm not I'm not Claret and Blue goggles in saying, oh, yeah, it's build a team around Grealish time. No, I, I was just going to say, there's there's a little bit of, especially after the Belgian game, where people saying, yeah, he's got to be the first name on the team sheet. You've got to build a team around him. You don't really build an England team around one individual. You know, you build like Portugal around Ronaldo, for example, or a yeah. very average Argentina team around Messi. An England team, we've got enough options in all positions where you, you want to get the best out of a combination of players. And it's just a case of working out where do you play Jack yeah. in that system to get the best out of him. Because Southgate has seen enough in the last three games and the previous appearances he'd had to go, OK, I know what he can do now. He's more than staked his claim. Now it's how do I get him in combination with others? Because for me, it was a bit like watching Jack of last season compared to watching him uh, this season when he yeah. played for England. Yeah, he, didn't, he didn't have willing runners, did he, a lot of the time? Because he's he's doing his thing, but there's not much on for him. And it, it did remind me a lot of last season. While there was no schema like Ross Barkley, and you know maybe that's something for... Uh, Barkley does seem to be... Uh, at least on level, if not better, than some of the uh, the people currently in the squad, put it that way. I think if Barkley's going to get into the squad, he'll probably have to be the one that sneaks in now because I just think there's so many people ahead of him. But he's he's more yeah. than capable. And I, I, I never had a problem with Barkley playing for England. I think if you get an in-form Ross Barkley, you've got a really good player for your squad. Whether he's a starter or not is you know, very debatable now, but I've, I've always rated him. But going back to Villa Grealish, has got him and Watkins who, who have elevated his game just yeah. as... Because he's got people to scheme with. And with England, he seemed to be a little bit disconnected. Not quite there with Kane. I almost kind of wanted to see him uh, get 10 minutes with when Abraham came on against Iceland. Yeah, because him and Kane are sort of in the same positions. The two of them are almost tripping over each other. There, there's really zero chemistry between Grealish and Kane at the moment. Because I think Kane's game is, whether it's under Mourinho compared to Pochettino, it seems to be evolving into this number 10 where he's trying to provide as many as he's uh, scoring. And it's just, he's taken up positions that other players like Jack would have went into. Yeah, he's taken up positions he doesn't really need to. You know, if you've got a fully fit England squad with the likes of Rashford, Sterling, you've got Jack, you've got an informed Sancho and, and others, you've got pace and dynamism all over the field, especially going forward. And you think Kane just needs to stay in the box and do his job and he will get chances. And if he gets chances, you more than likely finish them. That's his yeah. job. I mean, as he's, you know, he's, what is he, five, six games without a goal now for England? But he is getting into uh, strange positions that he should really trust, you know, the likes of Grealish or whatever yeah. to take up. The, in, the interesting one for me sort of moving forward will be if... Southgate can manage to find a combination where Sterling and Jack can go at a team down the left because you think if you get those two clicking with Sterling's pace, Jack's ability to carry the ball, they could be such a dynamic pair. And then when you've got someone like Chilwell at fullback as well, that becomes a really strong left-hand side potentially for England. And or Rashford, you know, just just someone with a little bit more straight line speed than Jack who can, you know, yeah. Jack can kind of carry the ball and, and let them run off him. I think that would be a really interesting... Which is know, kind of what he has with Watkins. Yeah, and also I think it would be interesting if, if Belgium had wanted to go full throttle... When you've seen Jack at his best, generally for Villa this season, it's been when he, Villa have been playing on the counter-attack. So it'd be interesting yeah. to see Jack you know, in full flow carrying the ball in a counter-attack. Some of his best moments against Belgium were 
sort of in the transition where he'd pick the ball up a little bit deeper and just drive at them. So it would be, you know, there's there's enough for Southgate to think about that there, there are positives, but he needs to get the combination right sooner rather than later, which at the yeah. moment it, it feels a long way off. But Well, the good news is for Villa anyway, there's no more international football until March. Thank so, God. Uh, we can focus right. on the nitty gritty of the, winning yeah, the these, league. Yeah, these three match, you know. I'll just say it again, just in case you didn't hear me at the back. We can concentrate on the nitty gritty of winning the league. Hurrah! Yeah, just I'm I'm so glad to be rid of these three match international breaks. Two matches I get, three matches just seems like overkill, and the players don't get any break. It's just compact, just compounding my misery. I don't want three matches. <laughs> Did like the fact that Northern Ireland, they were there, they were like hanging on in their national uh, league, needing to beat Romania in the last game to have any hope. And on the day of the game, they announced before that uh, UEFA were rewarding uh, Romania a 3-0 win over Norway after that COVID situation. So they had no chance of uh, escaping relegation before the game. Hence why you'll see me take a sudden interest in England coming up the Euros. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they could have announced it yesterday or something. but Or last, last month. <laughs> yeah, or last month. <laughs> Looking ahead to the Brighton game. Brighton have only won one game out of eight so far, drawn three. This is a team that are pitching at where they ended last season as well. They'll do what they did last season, just win enough just to uh, stay afloat. It's probably there game plan for the season but this is one of those games where Villa you know want to kind of prove themselves and just you know give us a little uh it's, it's, we're, we're getting some crazy results you know hammering Liverpool Arsenal but it would be nice to get into a rhythm where we consider this look at games against Brighton at home as three points and they get delivered I'd agree with that it's it's a it's a get the job done kind of game this one where you know, there hasn't been too many games this year where we've had expectation for Villa. This is one of those ones where you think, yeah, go on, get it done. A bit like when we went to Fulham, just be really professional and get it, get the three points however you need to. I'm just talking in the context of we, we can start, hopefully. I mean, this is a test, was what I'm saying. It, it's a test of can we now be in the mindset there are certain games that we should win? Now, that this is one of those that tests that theory. It does. I'd agree with that. Uh, yeah, I'm a bit concerned about it. It's a, I think it's a bit of a banana skin, but that's just me. We know that we can beat anybody, but can we just can we establish a level where we know that the bottom five or six teams are very winnable games? I mean, Brighton have had more possession in there. Despite only winning once, they've had across all their eight games uh, 53.9% of the possession. So that may suit uh, our counter-attack, which is vastly improved uh, upon this season. Uh, and their, their only goal threat is the, the, the shithouse himself, uh, Malpai with four this season. I was, I was watching the footage of him and Konza's tear up. Uh, was it last season? They got into yeah, a rock. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It? Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, he, he's he's got he's got Danny Well back beside him now because they're 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 trying to spark life in them because Potter sort of dropped Malpai in his last game to to teach him a lesson after he had a bit of an attitude problem in the changing rooms. So yeah, more and more reasons why. Smith maybe didn't fancy him. Yeah, I mean, my only concerns uh, is, A, we're playing on a Saturday and we've had Douglas Louise out there in South America across uh, several games. We've had uh, Trezeguet out, Grealish playing three games, McGinn playing three games. So, I mean, if it was on the Sunday, I mean, we played, you know, Sunday nights. You know, if it's Sunday nights, that extra 24 hours is, you know, pretty, uh, it's like gold dust in these international breaks. So that's my only concern is will Brighton come to this fresh while Villa Villa players are still, uh, you know, recuperating. Right, Uh, let's just uh, bring this show to a close by doing a quick underrated or overrated. Right, Mr. Phil King is up. You may remember him for one moment, one moment only. You clip. Yes! You beauty! Fantastic scenes at Villa Park. Phil King is the hero. Justice has been done. This penalty kick puts Aston Villa into the next round. It puts Ron Atkinson into champagne time. Villa deserve their triumph. You beauty. Around the early 90s, Villa and I think it was ITV at the time used to show the matches, whether it was European or League Cup. They just, yeah. Villa just seemed to be involved in these really memorable games on ITV, so it just, just cemented my 
supporting the Villa in the early days? They, they were. It was kind of an event still. Uh, well, it was when it was the UEFA Cup. I mean, this is you know this is a time. I think I've mentioned previously on the show. I remember a friend. I think he was a Manchester City fan. And uh, he he would say, I don't really see the point of Villa. You kind of finish sixth every season and get knocked out and away goals roll in the UEFA Cup every year. (laughs) And and this was kind of a classic year of that because we would have this big win and, you know, you'd beat Inter Milan and back in the day, Inter Milan, we played them, you know, over two legs twice uh, in the early 90s. First one, it still haunts me to this day, uh, when we won the first game 2-0 at Villa Park and then lost 3-0 at the San Siro. We had a chance early doors, and if we'd taken that, then it would have been a different matter. And then this one, was this was the revenge chance, and that was half of it. I mean, for me, I was I was happy because we avenged what happened to us uh, under Graham Taylor. But yeah, in the next round, we play... Is it Traps on Spore and lost in Traps the away on goals. on away goals rule, yeah. Lost, yeah, gave gave away a stupid last minute goal to ten men. Anyway, why did we buy Phil King? We bought him as backup for Steve Staunton at the time. Um, this was the Ron Atkinson era, you know. The not did start he, he had him at Sheffield play, Wednesday, didn't he? He would have done, yeah. Um, you know, Phil King was kind of a bit of a not so much a journeyman, but he, he'd kind of he'd become a bit of a squad player at, at Sheffield Wednesday. He'd been a bit of a legend at Swindon, deserved his move to um, Hillsborough, and then his, his career had sort of stalled. And I think Atkinson would have been looking for a bit of backup. Yeah, um, obviously knew his character, and uh... yeah, we, we had Brian Small at the time, but I'd imagine it would have been one of those ones where you know. Um, King, you know, he knew, knew what he was going to get and probably got him relatively cheap. So he kind of came and got in, got in the team at the start of the season and then obviously had his his singular great moment against Inter. It's kind of, I mean, you know, you always got to remember that some players don't have even, you know, a moment like that. You know, in terms of a Villa Park night, this is one of those nights that coined that horrible phrase that I hate under the lights yeah man because the, the game itself you can go back and you can see the highlights and you, it, was an, it was an epic game it was a brilliant game because I remember uh, I remember Whittingham's, Whittingham's chip under the bar that was the one I thought that's yeah. in that's, that's winning yeah, that classic world, they hit the post didn't they or sort of the angle of post and bar quite early in the game and I think it was Fonteland missed the, the, the you know, it came back to him and he just blazed it over into the half finished halt end because at that point it was just I think it was like half of the lower tier. They hadn't finished the upper tier, but it wasn't even built at that point. Yeah. Which was obviously during the redevelopment. So it was um, the start of that season. It was kind of strange that you know Villa Park was obviously at very limited capacity. Um, but it, but Phil- it was, it's a strange inter team because it wasn't the kind of what became the kind of the really sexy, glamorous Inter Milan side of a couple of years later. Now they had sort of Burkamp and obviously Klinsman had just left Inter and he'd gone to to, to Spurs. He did as in the first time we yeah, played. Yeah, he did as the first time and. Um, but it was a very kind of workmanlike team, you know, before the likes of sort of, you know, Ronaldo and Jorkaev and all these guys. And obviously Paul Ince went there the next season. You know, they, they, this sort of influx of anyway, amazing Phil King. talent. Anyway, Phil King. so disinterested in Phil King, he'd rather ramble on about and rant about Inter Milan. Because <laughs> Inter Milan's far more sexier than Phil King. This is true. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Phil, Phil King's penalty certainly wasn't the Lukman Penenka. That that was how you take <laughs> no, a penalty. Just put your foot through it and smash it, wasn't it? Yeah. It's, it's still, I mean, I have to admit, uh, in terms of Phil King, it's one of my favourite Villa goal celebrations. Yeah, he just stood there with his arms aloft, didn't Puts he? Puts his arms up and it, with this big smile, like, how the hell did that just happen? Yeah, it's, it's, it's the look of a man who's thinking, what am I even doing here? Why is there, like... You know, replacement left back taking the deciding penalty against Inter yeah. Milan. In modern times, that would be the equivalent of Neil Taylor <laughs> burying the deciding penalty to beat Inter. It's just I'm pretty sure like ninety percent of the listeners, or if not more, if we were in a very important game and Neil Taylor stepped up sudden death penalty, you'd be thinking he's going to miss this. That would that would be your first thought. Well, you'd, you'd you'd be thinking, hang on a minute, why isn't why aren't our strikers taking penalties here? Why hasn't Grealish got the balls to take this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Neil Taylor couldn't hit it as hard as King did. Uh, Phil King lasted probably as long as Ron Atkinson did because uh, as soon as uh, Brian Little came in, he looked elsewhere. Did he not? Yeah, it was obviously when Little was one of the early sort of users of the three centre-backs, two wing-backs bombing on, and he brought in his guys, as it were. You know, he went and got Gary Charles from Derby, I think it would have been, and Alan Wright arrived from Blackburn. Obviously, Graham yeah. Lasso was 
keeping well, him out of the team there. You got so. Alan right in that season, did he not? Cause, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he got him in February of that season. He, I think he, Alan Wright was his first signing, actually. I think it was Wright and Charles were his two of his very early signings. I think uh, at that point, Staunton would have moved to like the left of a back three with Hugo and McGrath, obviously, the season before Southgate arrived. And then, you know, Phil King would have just found himself relatively surplus to requirements then. And then, um, you know, the next season, he was kind of apparently, you know, he'd had a pretty good pre season and thought he was going to stake a claim, didn't, went to West Brom on loan which kind of spoke for itself. And then he got a, a really bad injury. So that was, that, was, that was kind of the end of his time at Villiers. So he wasn't he wasn't in the squad for the you know the, the glory season of 95-96 where we won the, the cup. Yeah. So where is he now? Where was he last seen? He owns a pub. What a cliche for a footballer. Back in the day, this is what ex-pros did. They didn't turn up as pundits on talk sport. They, they uh, got a pub and that's how they uh, earned their living afterwards because uh, you know, obviously wages were a bit different. Uh, nowadays, you've got enough to live on the rest of your life and your kids' uh, lives and you can just uh, stay relevant by being a pundit. But uh, back in those days, you actually have to work for a living. And uh, but there was a bit of a there was a bit of a strange story, was there not uh, regarding some checks? Yeah, there was a bit of a sticky situation he got himself into because um, just looking looking into his history, he seems to be a very old fashioned sort of guy when it came to running the business. I mean, the business took in eight to ten grand a week, and he had a very Oh, with research. <laughs> he had a very, yeah, he had a very... He'd You've a gone very, through his account. Yeah. Still short inland revenue over here. <laughs> Sorry, carry on, Mr. We'll call you the tax man from now on. <laughs> tax the Mandalorian man tax man. <laughs> Mandalorian tax man Bill. So he had a, you can even see it now if you, if you look down his... Um, that's gonna make it sound awful. If you look down his Facebook page to see, he still looks at his uh, customer base as sort of like like as an extended family. So you know he had the this he had the cash income and he would cash checks for people. And he just said he said it came to court because people were the the checks that came in were from dodgy means and everything else. But he was just he was basically just taking them. Struggling the the payee name out, putting the the dolphin, which is the name of the pub on it, and countersigning it, and just giving the the people cash, no yeah. questions asked. He didn't really look into it, and this is something that people used to do back in the day. Yeah, with, I mean, with checks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, he while he he wasn't exactly exonerated. You know, there was no evidence of um, that he had any interest in any criminal activity or anything like that. It was just his way of doing business. It seemed, yeah. and. Uh, like I said, I, I had a quick look on his, his Facebook page to see what he's doing at the after minute. You, after you went through his accounts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> after I went through his accounts. And he, he does, he still he still helps out in the community and he still really treats his customer base as, as the family because um, in lockdown times, he was helping families that needed food, even if it was only as simple as, you know, promoting local charities on his social yeah. media pages and things like that. And he also he did contract COVID there, but um, thankfully he's he's all right at the at the moment there. So that's that's the last he's, we've seen of him at the moment. Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer when you uh, in an establishment like that and you yourself gets COVID because once the word gets around, uh, you're just known as the you know your pub's known as a COVID hotspot from you know then on. Verdict time. It's not the first time he's had a <laughs> had to have a verdict. <laughs> So, uh, Phil King, under at Villa, underrated or overrated? What say you, the tax man? I am going to say underrated, because considering his number of appearances, to have a moment like that, that, that says it all. I mean, I, I remember it, sitting in the living room watching it at home at my old house, and that was, was a great moment, and I will always remember Phil King when other players who've done more, maybe, or done better... Uh, played better, more, yeah. You, know, you played more, being better players, and you know they're they'll be forgotten longer. But I'll still remember Phil King smashing it past Pagliuca. League games, I think he played about. I mean, off the top of my head, it was like fifteen, sixteen games, like pretty much on the trot. And then you know the transition of manager, you know, changed it all for him. And he didn't get a look in once uh, Little changed the system. 
But yeah, I'm going uh, for that same reason. I'm going underrated because he has rubber stamped himself just on that goal celebration. And, and I remember it vividly, as as Phil said, to achieve that in so little time. It's almost like half a season for Villa. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go um, I'm gonna go underrated because I, I don't necessarily think he let anyone down. I think he you know he didn't cost very much money, and I think you know it's, it's quite nice to have a genuine cult hero. Yeah, which is what he is. You know. A bit like, you know, there's been other players who've kind of had singular moments but aren't necessarily, you know, quite you know revered. I wouldn't say, he's, you know, Phil King's a revered player, but for, for one moment you think, well, that, he, he will go down in folklore. Yeah, right. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much to the taxman for looking into, uh, <laughs> taking the time out to uh, look into Phil King's accounts. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just new to the show, by the way, do check out uh, episode uh, one to one, where there's uh, a lot more madness and fun. This is more of a, a catch-up episode. Uh, obviously, there's been a two-week international break, so we're now up to speed and ready to see. Uh, we've got a nice run of games, actually. It's not too big opportunity between now and Christmas. Yeah, it's not too nasty. So, if we are to do something this season, I think we'll know. By the time we're tucking into our, well, hopefully we're all tucking into our uh, Christmas turkey, where we're going to uh, be this season. In terms if you do of, indeed eat turkey. Well, there is that as well. But if you are allowed to meet your family, we still don't know what how that's going to play out. Anyway, we, we will find out what we're going to be doing this season in terms of challenging for Europe, settling for mid-table, progressing nicely, fading away, or uh, dropping like a lead balloon. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're not going to get relegated. I'm going to give you that one for free in terms of predictions. Oh, by the way, before we go, just a quick uh, heads up. Uh, Black Friday. Is it Black Friday? Is that what they call it? Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, coming next uh, Friday. Not this Friday. Next Friday. So uh, keep an eye out for that. I don't know what offers are going to be going, but if you're looking for Villa Christmas shopping, that's uh, probably the day to strike. Check out the My Old Man Said Stroke Shop because that's where I keep uh, the latest codes and links on there. So I'll make sure that's updated uh, first thing Friday. So you can just head to there, myomansaid.com, and then just click on the shop option. And uh, all the various uh, ways to save money this Christmas will be there if you're shopping uh, for Villa-related merch. Right, any closing comments? Not from me. No. Yeah, all right. right until we meet again on match club those of you who are my man said patrons on saturday at three o'clock first novelty value already it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.